This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. The truth of the matter is that almost nobody has consistently been able to beat the market over time. And even fund managers who have beat the market for a number of years, on average, tend to what's called revert to the mean, which means that even the fund managers that have outperformed, eventually they go back to average. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, we're going to answer a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about index funds and why they are the everyday investor's best friend. Second, we're back with the FinTech Spotlight segment. This month, we're going to be featuring our sponsor, Starship HSA. This is a modern, mobile-friendly, and fee-free health savings account that's helping people save for their health and their future wealth. I'm going to be chatting with the VP of Marketing, Shandon Fowler, about Starship and also how the HSA stacks up against the 401k when it comes to your tax-advantaged investing options. And last but not least, my daughter Zoe's going to join me to read our review of the month, and we're going to have a quick chat about, oh, hybrid school and virtual school and all that fun stuff we've been doing for the past month. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question on Instagram at Andy Hill MKM from Beth, and here it is. Hey, Andy, I heard you and other podcasters talking about index funds being a good investment option. I'm looking into my 401k that I have at work. Can you help me understand why index funds are a good option to consider? Thanks, Beth. Short and sweet. So Beth, thank you so much for reaching out on Instagram. Today, I have a very special guest that's going to help me answer Beth's question. I am happy to be joined by award-winning personal finance blogger and podcaster, Paula Pant. And for those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, you may remember we interviewed Paula back in 2017 about how she achieved financial independence through real estate. And you can find that episode at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 61. And I am glad to have her back, but not only back on the show, but in person. Paula, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for welcoming me not only onto the show, but into your home. Absolutely. <laughs> and we've had fun over the past 24 hours, hanging out, uh, talking money and hanging out with friends. So totally. it's been good. Absolutely. So let's help uh, Beth answer this question. So I guess I'll start. Why do you like index funds? Well, so before I ever learned about index funds, I first learned about mutual funds. And technically, for the people who are who are really getting nerdy out there, technically index funds are what's called index mutual funds. So a mutual fund is a basket of funds that has a bunch of stocks inside of it. Rather than just investing in Coca-Cola or Marathon Oil or Nike or Reebok or Tesla, You've got a huge number of stocks inside of a fund, and that means that you have diversification. You know, if Marathon Oil completely crashes, 
that's totally fine because you've got all of the other stocks in that fund to counterbalance it. So that's what's great about mutual funds. But the problem with a mutual fund is that you have a fund manager who hand selects the funds that are inside of a mutual fund basket. And over time, that fund manager, you know, they, they charge a lot of money. They make a lot of trades, which incur their own internal transaction costs. And what studies have found is that actively managed mutual funds, so fund managers who choose which stocks go inside of a fund, statistically speaking, do not do any better than this alternative that's called an index fund. And an index fund is purely a mutual fund that is passively managed, which means that there's no fund manager selecting stocks. All it does is it follows a broad market index. So it might follow the S&P 500. It might follow the, the Russell. It, you know, it follows some sort of broad market index. It might be a total stock market index, a total international. And it's going to do as well or as poorly as the index that it tracks. No better, no worse. All right. So if you talk about something like the S&P 500 over whatever, 100 years, 90 years, mm -hmm. uh, going up at a rate of like on an average 10%, right? Something right. like that. That's mm -hmm. that's something that Beth might be able to trust or look at and say, hey, this is the potential, not necessarily what it's been in the past, but where it might go in the future too as an index to consider. Exactly, exactly. You know, we never know how any index is going to do in the future, but we do have historical data. And so you can look at large cap index, small cap index, emerging uh, markets index. But the beauty of index funds is that you don't have all of the costs of having a fund manager or a team of fund managers. You don't have all of the churn costs and the transaction costs that come with buying and selling stocks inside of the fund. And like I said, historically speaking, index funds typically outperform actively managed funds, uh, particularly once all of those fees are taken into account. Yeah, and there's been some public experiments of that in the past too. I think I've read an article or a, a, a happening that happened with Warren Buffett where he made a bet with some hedge fund guys that said, hey, over the next 10 years, mm -hmm. I believe that if I just bought a regular index fund versus your buying and selling action, you know, we're going to, or index funds are going to win out. And they made that bet. And it was, I think it was a million dollar bet. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, he made this million dollar bet and lo and behold, over 10 years, he ended up winning the bet because nice. there was so much action back and forth of the buying and selling that uh, index funds won the day, which is crazy. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. You know, I've, uh, I've also heard that Warren Buffett instructed his uh, his children, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's leaving them some money, not his entire fortune. He's giving away most of it, but he instructed his children to just stick to index fund investing. Yeah, yeah, because it's because it's simple. And one and one point that you made too is that there are not as many fees or costs associated with it. So if Beth were to look at her 401k, what are the fees that she should maybe be looking for when she's comparing mutual funds versus index or index mutual funds versus mutual funds, or I guess any other fund? So there's a fee that's referred to as the expense ratio. And if you look up any fund, you'll, you'll be able to see the little line item that says expense ratio. Um, the expense ratio that you'll see on index funds as an aggregate 
is significantly cheaper than the expense ratios that you'll see on an actively managed mutual fund. So for example, and I'm just pulling some hypothetical numbers for illustrative purposes, you might look at a broad market index fund that has an expense ratio of 0.3% or 0.2%. By contrast, you might look at an actively managed mutual fund that has an expense ratio of 0.8 or 9% or even 1%. And that may not sound huge, but if you imagine your returns being chipped away by 1% compounding over time, as compared with your returns being chipped away by half a percent compounding over time, well, that adds up. Absolutely. And you talked a little bit about the multiple different indexes that there are. Why is it important to consider some sort of diversification in your portfolio when you're talking about investing or index fund investing for that matter? Mm. When people talk about diversification, what, what people are typically looking for is what's called low correlation assets. And what that means is that if one asset moves in, in some direction, up or down, uh, you want another asset that doesn't do the same thing. Because if all of your assets move in the same direction at the same time, then then you don't have diversification. And so the most obvious example is stocks and bonds. Typically, and, and the year 2020 has been different, <laughs> but typically when stocks uh, as a whole go up, bonds tend to go down and vice versa. They tend to move inverse to one another. And as a result... Oftentimes, people layer bonds into their portfolio in order to smooth out that volatility, smooth out that ride. Some things that go up when other things go down. And you can do the same thing inside of, if if you look at stocks or as they're known, equities, if you look at different types of equity index funds, there are different kinds that aren't going to relate to one another. So the way that an international fund performs is not necessarily going to be the way that a US fund performs. Now they will be similar because there are, you know, there are US companies. companies. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Because we live in a global world. Mm -hmm. So of course there are many US companies like Coca-Cola or Nike or Tesla that do business overseas and the the fate of the world is, is intertwined. So absolutely you're, you're going to see some similarities between them, but not perfectly. You know, there are going to be differences. Similarly, small cap stocks, which are the smaller companies, they are going to perform differently than the larger companies. So um, by having a, a mix of these different types of assets, you know, you you get some things that zig when others zag. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point too. So you talked about you not only get the diversification by being in the index fund itself because you're you're owning 500 or thousands of companies. But if you look at diversification amongst the classes themselves, so maybe small cap, international bonds, you are multiplying the diversification, right? And you're, exactly. you're making things a little bit more comfortable. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so index funds, low fees, mm-hmm. very good diversification. It just sounds like a great package. So why, I guess, what's the... What's the negative side or what's the con of index funds that we're not looking at? Because I think both you and I are like, yeah, makes sense, right? But what are people saying or or why is there, uh, I guess, any call against index funds? Well, there are people who try to beat the market. So this is this is referred to as seeking alpha. Um, if there's a there's a group of people 
who believe that they can do better than the overall market if they just apply their brain to it a little bit and they do some research and they pick the winning stocks and they time it just right. And it can be tempting to want to believe that. It can be tempting to to indulge in the cognitive biases that tell you that uh, that you're more informed or you're a better decision maker. But the the truth of the matter is that nobody uh, or almost nobody has consistently been able to beat the market over time. And even fund managers who have beat the market for a number of years, on average, tend to what's called revert to the mean, um, which means that even the fund managers that have outperformed, eventually they go back to average. Um, and of course, yes, you can cherry pick one or two star players. We've talked about Warren Buffett, but that is a concept that's called survivorship bias. Nobody knows in advance who the next Warren Buffett is going to be. We only know that in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, you think about it, it, it seems to work really well. You know, we're talking about folks like Beth that are looking at their 401k, they're just looking for something simple and easy to do so that they can invest for the future. And I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are just like, hey, what can I do that's smart and intelligent and get going with my investing instead of trying to beat the market or try to seek, seek alpha like you're talking about? So it sounds like index funds are a pretty good tool for the masses. Uh, exactly. and, and even folks that, like you and I, who like to dive into the details, still choose them mm-hmm. as, as opposed to trying to do that. I mean, have you ever thought of that in your, in your spot where you know so much about investing, yet you still decide to go the simple route? Yeah, well, I think what it is, is as you learn more and more about investing, you recognize fallacies in thinking. You know, I, I mentioned confirmation bias or survivorship bias, uh, overconfidence, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Like you, you recognize that there are all of these cognitive biases that people uh, buy into that people delude themselves. And as you learn more and more about investing, you, you begin to see examples of that play out. I think another way of saying it is as you learn more about a topic, you gain enough knowledge to understand what you do not know. As you and I both learn more about investing, we have gained enough knowledge to recognize that we do not know how to predict the future. We do not know which, uh, you know, of all of the stocks that are available right now, we don't know which one is going to be the mega winner in in the year 2030. Like, what is it that if you bought it today, it would be the equivalent of buying Amazon in 1999? We don't know that. And we know enough to know that we cannot know that. So um, uh, one final thing, though, uh, that I would say about that on, on that same topic is I've heard people justify going into actively managed funds by saying, yeah, but this particular fund manager is great. The thing that they don't know yet is that picking a fund manager is itself a skill. So if they are not skilled at the skill of picking fund managers, then how can how can they possibly say person A is better than person B? Yeah, I, I like the fact that it's it's something that's so simple that it can just let you go back to an enjoying life too. Right. Because we don't need to be thinking about what hot stock is going to be next. And if you dedicate your life to that, there's so much more to do in life than than that. So I, that's why I like index funds too. And I'm glad we were able to talk about it today because hopefully this will help Beth as she's making some choices about her portfolio and even outside of her 401k, if she decides to do an IRA or an HSA or something like that to, to save for the future, this could be a great option to consider. So Paula, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. So 
one question I had for you. Um, what is going on with the Afford Anything podcast? What are you guys up to lately? What are your conversations that you're having? Tell me all about it. Uh, so the Afford Anything podcast, which I've hosted for a number of years, the concept of the podcast is you can afford anything, but not everything. Every choice that you make is a trade-off against something else. And so we talk a lot about decision-making, opportunity costs. Um, we talk about how to think through your choices, how to make sure that you are living in a way that is aligned with your priorities. Every other episode, I answer questions that come in from our community. And on the episodes in between, when I interview guests, um, we are talking to, um, you know, some of, some of the more recent episodes, we're talking to a financial psychologist about the psychology of money and trauma around money, uh, ways that we trip ourselves up, ways that we fool ourselves. Uh, I'm talking to a retirement researcher, um, one of the few professors who specializes in retirement planning um, as an academic field. And that's a fairly small, fairly new academic field. I have interviews in which I talk to people about how to form better habits, uh, time management, happiness, uh, entrepreneurship. So we we really span the gamut. Now, I'm also doing a special series right now called PSA Thursday, where uh, I give bare bones, stripped down, short episodes uh, that are topic specific to things that relate to managing money and work and life during a pandemic. So I've done PSA Thursday episodes about the CARES Act, um, which is the act that Congress passed at the beginning of the pandemic and how that affects student loans. Um, I've done an episode on productivity tips if you suddenly find yourself working from home for the first time. I've done an episode on donor advised funds because this is a particularly important time to be donating money and giving uh, to the best of your ability to do so. So um, all of those topics and more are available at the Afford Anything podcast. Excellent. And you guys can go to affordanything.com or just type in Afford Anything in your favorite podcast player. You're listening to this podcast right now. Just type it in, Afford Anything. You guys will love the show. Paula, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. 
Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. For our FinTech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring our sponsor, Starship HSA, a company on a mission to help people take control of their financial wellness by redefining the health savings industry. I've invited Starship HSA's VP of Marketing, Shandon Fowler, to tell us more about this modern HSA solution and how it allows us to save and invest for our future healthcare costs. Before we get into the details about Starship HSA, we're first going to focus our discussion around how the HSA stacks up against the traditional 401k and maybe some other retirement uh, programs as well. Welcome to the show, Shandon. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all about helping people save money for the future. So let's talk about the HSA. Can you talk about these triple tax advantages of the HSA? Yeah, sure. Um, so very simply put, uh, an, a health savings account allows you to save money tax-free, invest money tax-free, and spend money tax-free on eligible healthcare expenses. There's really nothing like it that's been created by the IRS. You really can put money in directly from you know a payroll deduction from your employer, and it will never hit taxes if you um, use it in the way that it's sort of prescribed by the HSA regulations. So it's a very, very strong tool for retirement savings and also for saving in the short run, which of course everybody currently is thinking about their healthcare expenses. So um, a really, really, you know, the triple tax advantage, we kind of rolls off the tongue, but it's very, very, you know, core to the value of the uh, health savings account. Well, let's talk about what we can do with the money that's saved in the account. You, you mentioned healthcare expenses. What does that mean? Essentially, you know, what the IRS refers to it as is eligible medical expenses. Um, that can be anything from a doctor visit to, you know, costs for surgery, all the way to things like over-the-counter drugs were actually um, remade um, an eligible expense by the uh, CARES Act recently. So you can spend on allergy medicine or, you know, over-the-counter pain relief. Female hygiene products were also recently made um, eligible, which is a really big deal for, you know, those kinds of expenses. Um, and everything in between. I mean, you can get, if you're prescribed by a doctor to get a massage or go to the chiropractor, that's all eligible. There are hundreds and hundreds of uh, eligible expenses out there. Yeah, um, even, even so, contacts, right? Things like that, too. 
Exactly. Yeah. Contacts. We actually have a partnership with Warby Parker and um, you can buy your sunglasses or your uh, prescription glasses through Warby Parker and that's all HSA eligible. I love it. That's great. Well, that these are great options for a lot of people. It, and sometimes when you think of the, you know, the traditional retirement savings, you think about, OK, that's something for way in the future. These are these are ways to save today. And our, our government is, is wanting us to do that. So let's talk about the retirement savings piece, too. You mentioned that maybe this could be used for retirement as well. Let's talk about that. How, how is that possible? Yeah. So uh, one thing, a lot of people will confuse a health savings account with a flexible spending account or an FSA. And the key difference, super important difference, is that an FSA generally is what's called use it or lose it. You sort of put your money in, and if you don't spend it by the end of the year or a certain period thereafter, you lose the money. You know it's no longer yours. With a health savings account, it rolls over from year to year. And so not only does this enable you to sort of build up money for your healthcare expenses in the in the short run, but you can also invest that money, as I said, you know, uh, tax-free. So over time, you can invest a certain amount, uh, and that builds up in the same way that it would with an IRA or a 401k. And then if you need access to that money for medical expenses, you have some sort of medical emergency, or you just need to get glasses, you can use your HSA, and you're set. Yeah. And then after 65, uh, isn't there an option to use it for retirement as well? Yeah, there are a couple of different things. So you can't, uh, when you turn 65, you can't, you can no longer put money into the HSA, but you can take your money out anytime you want. And, you know, there have been a lot of reports that I'm sure people have seen recently. One, one of the most uh, familiar ones, I believe, is by Fidelity or Prudential. Actually, they probably both have reports like this, but you can spend upward of $175,000 to $300 or $1,000 or more on your health expenses in retirement, even with Medicare. So HSAs are really not just a good thing. They can be really essential for you know your retirement savings. The other cool part about HSAs is that you can save your uh, receipts for as long as you want. So I could save for 30 years into my HSA, and then when I retire, I could get get my file out with all of my healthcare expenses and turn those all in. And I would get all of this tax-free money that I could use in retirement. So um, super valuable on both fronts. That's incredible. That's incredible. So a lot of people know about the 401k because it's at work and, you know, everybody Mm -hmm. says sign up for your 401k. Let's talk about how they stack up. What are the major differences if I want to invest in a traditional 401k versus an HSA? Yeah. Well, I think that the biggest difference is that, you know, a 401k is probably there there aren't any kind of prerequisites other than employment with a with a 401k. With a with a high dedu- or with a health savings account, you currently have to have a what's called a consumer driven health plan, CDHP. Um, more lot more often you hear it referred to as high deductible health plans or HDHPs. So currently, and uh, we've been working uh, internally to sort of expand this, uh, but you have to have you have to have a high deductible health plan. So if you have that, then you can put your money in tax-free. And it really works a lot like a a 401k beyond that, in fact, or or an IRA for that matter. In fact, a lot of the sort of regulations that uh, govern the health savings account come directly from the same regulations that govern a sort of traditional IRA. Um, Another big difference is that, you know, with a 401k, 
Um, you do have a, a larger threshold that you can save each year. I think it's, what is it, close to $19,500 for a 401k. Um, and with an HSA, you have individual and family, and the individual is $3,550, I think, in 2021, and $7,100 for, for a family. So it's a much lower threshold for you know being able to contribute to your HSA. But then again, you have this option of using it for current expenses at any time that you want. So pros and cons, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're the HSA guy, but if if somebody's got a 401k at their office and they get a match from their employer, would you recommend taking that match or starting the HSA savings earlier than later? Uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm at the sort of point in my life where I see both of them as an as essential. And I would never tell somebody to not take a match because it's free money. So so definitely take the match, but take a good hard look at the HSA, because if you're especially if your employer is putting money into your HSA, which a lot of employers do, a lot of people think that an HSA is the best place to put your money first not not solely but first because of this additional sort of triple tax advantage with the spending part as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I see that difference and yeah, that that can be a tough decision for people to make but yes, free money is good. Have you seen employers start to, you know, knowing the importance of healthcare savings look at some sort of match for the HSA or is that is that not a thing? Oh yeah, it's definitely a thing. In fact, I think it's something like 60 to 75% of funds that go into uh, an HSA at the beginning of every year are uh, employer funds, basically. So they're putting in a match. You know, uh, the company, well, Starship, you know, we we have a very sort of generous uh, amount that they put into our HSAs. My former company, we also had a pretty generous match that we put into HSAs. And what you'll often hear it referred to as is first dollar expenses. So the trade-off with an HSA is that you get a high deductible health plan. And as, in, and as the name implies, it has a high deductible. Sure. Um, so, so you have to pay your own money for your uh, medical expenses before you reach your deductible. And so knowing this, the, the strategy for you know, basically the entire existence of HSAs has been to provide first dollar expense. Not all companies do, but if they do, they may give you a thousand bucks or $2,500 or something like that. So that if you have to go to the doctor, and especially, you know, if you have a family, you're going to the doctor all the time, you can, you know, you have some money up front that you can pay for it. So it kind of makes it better for you. And you're paying a lower premium mm-hmm. usually than like a PPO or an HMO or something like that. Yeah, I saw that when I, I've, I've done both. I had a PPO and then I switched over to the high deductible plan and my company had great benefits and my premium ended up being nothing uh, as, yeah. as opposed to what I was paying. So, but, but more of the onus is on me if, you know, I mean, and exactly. the name, high deductible. So we have to be prepared for that, maybe have an emergency savings or money set aside through an HSA to pay for some of those things. Now, now I know the 401k has been around for a while. It's got the... I mean, it's, it's been around for a while, and HSA is kind of kind of new. Have you seen a steady increase in HSA enrollees over the past uh, years? Oh yeah, definitely. I think that so HSAs were created essentially in 2003, and uh, so they've been around for 17 or so years. So, and of course, 401ks first started emerging in the 70s, and you know, really took off in the 80s and 90s. So, if you're looking at you know like membership, it's you know it's a lot smaller. If you look at deposits, like investment deposits, uh, 401ks are at like six trillion dollars, or they're mm-hmm. going to be you know very soon. And HSAs are going to be around a hundred billion dollars in 20 at the end of 2021, I think is the estimate uh, or the projection. 
Um, so they're a lot smaller, but they're really growing a lot quicker. So the investments in particular are growing, you know, by leaps and bounds. I think about in a three-year period, they will have gone from about $50 billion to $100 billion. So there's absolute momentum there. And like I said, we're trying really hard, um, you know, with the way that healthcare is currently and with everybody worrying about healthcare even more these days, we kind of feel like everybody deserves to have an HSA. So we're working through political changes channels and all the rest to kind of promote the idea that everybody deserves an HSA. Got it. Well, let's talk to the individual out there who says, you know what, I I have a a high deductible health plan or I'm considering signing up for one, but my company doesn't have an HSA. Can I still sign up for an HSA? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So HSAs are individual accounts. Uh, They don't belong to your employer. They belong to you. So even after you leave an employer, even after you your your coverage is canceled or your COBRA runs out, uh, that health savings account and the money in it belongs to you. So it's very good to shop around and it's very good to have an HSA if you have a high deductible health plan. If you have the means to put money into it, then you absolutely should be. And of course, we think you should be getting Starship you know, for your HSA. Well, let's talk about that. So how does Starship differentiate themselves from the other HSA providers out there? There's a lot of them. How are you guys different? Our entire DNA has been to build an HSA for the individual. So our founder, one of our three co-founders, uh, Sean Engelking, he's our CEO. He will he sort of calls himself a, a, a tax and investment hacker. And so when he had his first high deductible health plan, he saw the value of this thing or the potential value of this thing, but he wasn't seeing it in the HSA that was provided to him through the company coverage that he had. So he got into that. He dug into it. He found that they all have you know hidden fees and different structures, and they're really focused on getting employers to sign on so that they can get this fee structure going, this fee wheel, in the same way that some 401ks really live and die on Mm -hmm. the fees that they're able to charge. So, And then he had a personal event, a family event that was a medical emergency. So he got to see both sides of the value of it. He said, there's got to be a better way. And so that's kind of how our company was founded. And we're always focused on the individuals. We especially, we have, you know, major partnerships with companies like Uber and, you know, Postmates, which was just bought by Uber, Winolo, which is another, you know, sort of gig economy company. That's really where our DNA lays is to uh, help individuals and to have something that is, uh, has no hidden fees, um, has high interest rates, all of the things that are going to help you make the most of your money. Well, that's great. Well, let's talk about the investing side of things, because we talked about how exciting that is to be able to invest your money. How does that work through Starship? Uh, It's super easy. So the ability to invest is built in right into our application. Uh, and you can set it up in a, uh, a number of different ways. You know, we have a robo advisor. So if you're used to things like, you know, Betterment and, you know, Robinhood and, and those kinds of things, um, it's the same basic idea. You go through, you ask a handful of questions and uh, you're provided with options based on sort of your profile and your risk tolerance and, and so on. Um, and then in a few easy steps, you're, you're set up and you're ready to invest and you have the ability to make regular contributions into the, your investment 
investment account. You have you can do threshold investments. So let's say you want to keep an emergency fund on the savings fund on the saving side of your HSA, and then put every other dollar in excess of that into your investing account. You can do that. You can set up all sorts of you know different things. We also have a number of awesome things on our roadmap, like you know Roundup investing and you know all the other things that you you know come to expect. But the I mean the the bottom line is that it's you know we make it as easy as possible uh, for people to invest through Starship. Got it. And that usually can happen through another brokerage partner. Do you guys have a brokerage partner that you work with, or how does that all work? Uh, we're, we actually are setting up some of our own, uh, funds. So we're working with, uh, you know, a technology provider. Mm -hmm. We are going to be linking to some of the major uh, brokerages down the line as well. Um, but we're really right now, we're really about easing people into the process. And we we see a lot of first time investors and we want to make it as turnkey and easy for them to understand as possible. Yeah. Uh, But we also have some people that have, you know, thousands of dollars, you know, that, um, want to kind of get their money to go further as well. Sure, sure. And then the debit card system, that's that's a really great advantage when you're, as you mentioned, out and about mm-hmm. and you're buying the things that you need to buy. Talk to us about how that debit card system works. Yeah, it's a, it's, so it's a standard um, Visa debit card. Uh, you know, the one difference with HSAs is that, you know, you can't, it's not a cash account. You can't, you know, go to an ATM and get cash out, um, but you can do a point of purchase. It's actually, I got one right here. It's actually, you know, uh, we think it's a really good looking card. You know, it's contactless, which is not as common with the HSAs. You have all of the advantages of debit cards with that one exception of not being able to take the cash out. Excellent. So it's essentially your money goes into the savings account and then it comes out mm-hmm. through the debit card. That It makes a lot of sense. So lots of advantages with an HSA, lots of advantages of working with Starship. What does this cost somebody? So I want to open an HSA. How much does that cost me? Uh, it costs you zero dollars. We don't have any um, account minimums. We've built it ourselves from the ground up because we wanted to avoid a lot of those fees that are attached to other accounts, sort of monthly maintenance fees and so on. Uh, you know, there are really, I think there are really only one or two fees at all with a Starship account. And that has to do with like, you know, if you're making a foreign transaction or something like that. On the investment side, um, we do have a small sort of, you know, fee structure set up, but, you know, um, it ends up being pennies per month, you know, pennies to dollars per month, depending on you know how much you're investing. And then, of course, you know, you do with any kind of investing, you do uh, also want to look at the sort of you know ETFs, the you know exchange traded fund fees that that might be there. But that's kind of standard for you know all investments, and those are super low as well. Like I said, we we really really have you know put ourselves on this track of letting people do the most with their money and letting them keep more of their money um, than typically they can. Got it. Well, I mean, it sounds like the the, the fees are, are nothing and it doesn't cost me to do anything. How, how, do, how do you guys make money? It's always good to know, you know where the money's coming from if you're giving something for free. Yeah, they're sort of the standard things that we do, like, you know, something sort of a banking term, but interchange. So, you know, there's money in the account and, you know, we make some money off of that. And uh, there is a small percentage that we get for uh, whenever you use your debit card at a, you know, at a retailer um, or a provider of some kind. Uh, Those are the primary ways that we make fees. In addition to that, we have, like I said, I mentioned, you know, Warby Parker, we have partnerships where, you know, there are some money that we are able to make there. But, you know, we really, uh, it comes back down to, you know, a lot of HSA providers have built around this sort of large structure 
of maintenance fees. And, and we're steering clear of that as much as possible so that we can really focus on these different ways like the interchange and, you know, interest, you know, bank interest and, and so on to make our money. I think you guys have, have the consumer in mind and that that's, that's great. I mean, you're thinking about a way where it's frictionless. It gives mm-hmm. me lots of advantages and I'm not paying anything, which is great for a consumer. One last <laughs> question before we go, how did you guys get that awesome name Starship? <laughs> You know, that actually, it's uh, we love the name. And, and it's funny because it's not what you might think it is. Sean, again, our CEO, big fan of Buckminster Fuller, who was, of course, the sort of futurist and architect. And he created this idea of the of spaceship Earth, basically. And, and, and so we didn't want to be too literal and, you know, call it spaceship. And it sounded a little sort of old fashioned, too. <laughs> so he liked this idea of starship and this this idea that this is a, a grand experiment to sort of help us be more sustainable and more, you know, mindful of the community that we have here. So um, so we love the name. Yeah. Um, but we don't really, you're not going to see us call ourselves cadets or anything like that. It's more of a, you know, uh, an architecture and community thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's a good conversation and I like how you guys describe it, even with the name is that, you know, this is, this is something we're all in together to help our country get to a better place and help everybody not only save and protect themselves for their healthcare costs, but plan for the future too. And so I, I love having this conversation. Shandon, thank you so much for being here. Where's the best place people can learn more about Starship and then consider signing up? Yep. You can go right to starshiphsa.com uh, and you'll see all the information that you need. There's a, a sign up button. You can learn how it works and uh, you can even reach out you know, through chat with our uh, awesome support team. Awesome. Shandon, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Everybody, starshiphsa.com. Tell them uh, Marriage, Kids, and Money sent you. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. It's been great talking to you. I loved this episode. Paula taught us to keep investing simple with index funds, and Shandon shared how we can take advantage of the triple tax benefits of an HSA. This is the recipe for wealth building success, my friends. Keep the investing fees low, keep the taxes low, set it to 350 degrees and let it cook for 20 or 30 years. (laughs) It's going to taste delicious. I guarantee it. (laughs) I think I might be hungry. All right. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. Please leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help more people to find this show. To encourage you to leave a review for this Family Empowering Podcast... Each month, we do a book giveaway. So we received two reviews since last month's book giveaway offer. And as a reminder, this quarter, we are going to be giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. Those books are as follows. Jed Collins with Your Money Vehicle, Dylan Redling and Allison Tom with Start Your Fire, and then Carol Pittner and Doug Norman with raising your money-savvy family for the next generation of financial independence. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my assistant, Zoe. Zoe Hill here. Oh, How are you doing, everybody? Now let's get to the review. <laughs> you, you just want to go straight to the review this yeah. week? Can't we have a little chit-chat? 
um, we might not have soccer because it's raining and yeah. I want soccer and I got a bloody nose. And when did you get a bloody nose? Before you came. Oh, no. I was picking it. Oh, <laughs> that'll happen. It's also probably a little dry in the house, huh? Yeah. All right. We got to get the humidifier out. So, Zoe, you've been back to school for one month. What do you think about it so far? Uh-uh. Uh-uh is your answer? Yep. What does that mean? It means I don't like to go. You don't like to go? No, because because I don't like the math. You don't like the math? You're good at it. I just like the cursive. And cursive. Okay, so cursive's your favorite subject right now? Yeah, now let's get to the review. Well, a couple more questions. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, so you're there and you have to wear a mask for like three hours straight. What is that? What is that like? Picture this. Sweat in your mouth, from your forehead, spit on your teeth, breathing in stinky, stinky farts. <laughs> Where do the farts come from? <laughs> do people just fart in your class all the time? No. No? I put my mouth on it like... Oh, so just like Yeah, nasty. and it's a habit. So then it gets all sticky, and oh, then my I mouth see. gets all watery, and then when I come home, I have to wash my mouth with soap. Yeah, gosh, that sounds pretty horrible. So you have, now with me, you've got this sort of virtual school in the morning and then in-person school in the afternoon. Which one do you like more? Virtual. You do? Yeah. Yeah, why? Because I get to stay in Dada's shirt. <laughs> you get to wear my shirt as a pajama? Yeah, I'm wearing it right now. It's a white one and it's white. Yeah. And that's it. Okay, well. I just, you know, I just like catching up with you every once in a while and seeing what's going on in your life. Thanks for doing that. You want to do the review now? Yeah, let's go straight to the review. Right now, Alexa, pick a number between one and two. One. Oh, awesome. One. Well, the first review. I have no idea who that person is. Oh, well, I'll show it to you. The first review is from Sam in Chicago. And she calls it relevant and encouraging. Would you like to read this review for me, Zosta? Yes. Now, can you please turn around the computer for me? I will. Here we go. Andy always has relevant guests that have experienced interesting financial successes, failures, and endeavors. I have learned a lot of new concepts from listening to this show. Andy himself is very pleasant to listen to and sounds like the friendliest person ever. Oh, well, Sam, thank you very much for that kind review. And Zoe, nice job reading that, even with your special sticky stuff there. And Sam, I'm going to email you after this and ask which book that you would like. And we'll send it to you. Zoe and I will hook up with Amazon and send it your way. So everybody, we're going to be doing this again next month. So please leave a review so Zoe can read it and be goofy and, you know, have some fun. And play with sticky slime. And we're going to be doing the same books and the same process. And again, yes, Miss Zoe will be there to read it. So if you want your review read, go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Or Stitcher, or Stitcher yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And leave a review. And if you're lucky enough, Alexa will pick it. Oh, whoops. Did I say it? Is she up? No. Alexa. No, no, don't talk to Bart. Oh, yeah, it sounds like it was uncomfortable. That was actually me. My name is Alexa. So, Zoe, thank you very much for being here today. Yeah. 
And thanks for reading the review. And thank you so much to this little foam ball. Yeah, nobody can see that foam ball, but I'm glad you like it. All right. Say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye. Say goodbye to Foamy. This month on the show, we've got an excellent lineup, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Next Monday, October 12th, we've got personal finance superstar Kamiko Love, and she's going to share her incredible financial story and discuss how we can all stick to a budget. The Monday after that, October 19th, we are answering another listener question about financial priorities during this pandemic season. And then the last Monday of the month, we've got former Hollywood film producer Joe DeSanto, and he's going to share how he and his family transitioned away from California in their pursuit of family financial independence and how they're doing today. Everybody, this show just continues to grow and receive great accolades. We were recognized by Motley Fool last month as one of the 14 best podcasts to level up your money game. That was cool. That was a really nice win, especially with a crazy month of September here at home. So thank you for your support. Thank you for subscribing. And thank you for making this show possible. Without you, it, it, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be possible. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from J.L. Collins. Stop thinking about what your money can buy. Start thinking about what your money can earn. Invest for the long term and enjoy your financial independence. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.